Tonight we want to look at the life of Joseph once again and I want to speak to you on the subject of the fact that the Lord was with Joseph and all that he went through and all the struggles and the difficulties we're reminded that God was with him. We started out in verse chapter 37 and verse 6 and it says, And he said unto him, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. And Joseph's life kind of started out with those dreams. His brothers didn't like it. Even his parents were kind of a little bit weary of it, leery of it, I guess you should say. And it went downhill from there. And we know how he was sold by his brothers to the Egyptians and taken down into Potiphar's house as a slave and all the things that happened in his life. And with all those difficult times, we have to remember that God was with him. He was only 17 years old when all of this started. So teenagers, there's hope for you. If God can use Joseph, he can use you. Amen? And sometimes we think, well, I'm not old enough for God to use. God can use you any age. Amen? At any time. When we left Joseph in our last message, we saw that he was betrayed by his own brothers and sold into slavery. He had been sold to some Ishmaelite merchants for less than $200 which was about the price of a crippled slave. The Ishmaelites took Joseph to Egypt and they put him up for sale in that land. If you stop and think for a moment, try to put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Here he is, 17 years of age. His father has chosen him to be the chosen son, the favored son, and he's the favorite of 12 sons in the family, and he's given that beautiful coat, which was not just a fancy coat that he wore, but it was a symbol of authority and power and influence and prominence in the family. So it was more than just an attractive coat or more than just something the rest of the brothers were jealous of. They were jealous of what that coat represented. And so here he is in his home on the way in the path of power and influence and prominence in his family. And then in just a moment's time, everything in his life turned around, didn't it? You know, it's interesting how life sometimes goes, doesn't it? We can have one phone call that can change our whole life, can't we? I remember... We were, this was some years ago, we were just down the road not far from here having a fellowship at a home of some people that were in our church at the time. And I got a phone call at that fellowship. I had to leave right away. My youngest brother was killed in a motorcycle accident. A van pulled out in front of him at an intersection and he broadsided the van and died immediately. And all of a sudden, a lot of things that are so important to us aren't very important anymore, are they? It could be a dad or a mom. It could be a doctor who says it's cancer or it's incurable. It can be the death. It can be a boss who says you've lost your job. All kinds of things can happen to us. And here's Joseph. His life is completely turned upside down in just a moment. And he's stripped of that coat that he had. 
that his father had given to him. And he's betrayed by the very people that should love him. You know, it's always difficult, isn't it? You know, it's one thing for somebody who's a boss or somebody who's an outsider to do something. But when it's the people that ought to love you, well, that's tough, isn't it? And Joseph is suddenly separated from his family and from his father. He's sold as a slave. He's carried off to a strange land. Not just out of his family becomes a slave, but he's taken to another country. Imagine the humility that he must have faced when he's examined by these uh, Midianites who check him out to see how much he's worth as a slave. All that he has to go through. I can imagine some of the lies that Satan must have told him as he's going through this process. In many ways, he was just a simple country boy. And now he's coming from an unsophisticated family and he's transported to the capital city. He's going to the most advanced nation in the the earth. Imagine how he must have felt as he's with this camel train and as they crest the last hill before they enter into this land of Egypt and before him he sees all the wonders of Egypt. He sees the great pyramids that have been standing all the way back to Joseph's day. In fact, they were probably over a thousand years old for his great-grandfather Abraham had been there and seen them many years before. And Joseph perhaps saw the Sphinx and the, the great Egyptian temples and the wonderful palaces that Pharaoh and his people had. It must have been a great culture shock for him going from a shepherd boy to the city, to the capital city to a great nation. On the surface, it seemed like the circumstances could not have gotten much worse for Joseph. In truth, those difficult days that he was about to go through and that he had already gone through up to that time were mere stepping stones that God had arranged in his life to bring him to a place of greater glory that God had prepared for him. And we must not forget that in our lives. When we're going through the difficulties and the trials in our life, oftentimes they are just stepping stones that God has prepared and planned for us to bring us to the place where he wants to use us for his honor and glory. It may have appeared to Joseph that all of his dreams that we read about back there in verse chapter 37 and verse 6, he said, I hear you, I pray thee, hear this dream which I have dreamed. Now all those dreams are shattered and broken and gone. But God who gave him those dreams in the first place was working behind the scene to ensure that everything would turn out and be fulfilled in its right time. What nobody else could see with all the trouble that was surrounding young Joseph's life is clearly stated for us in chapter 39 and verse 2. Look over there with me for just a moment, just a page or so in your Bible. Genesis 39 and verse 2, and it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. Isn't that an encouragement, encouraging statement to us? As we're going through life, whatever we're dealing with, just remember, and the Lord is with you. Amen? He's with you. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, He is there. And I want us tonight to understand and to learn this great truth that God is always there with us 
to see us through the trials and the difficulties. And God is with us to help to accomplish the plans that he has for our life. God wants to use us in this lost world to point people to himself. And I want us to think about Joseph and how God used him and how God was with him tonight. And I want us to see some of the ways in which the Lord was with him. I want you to see how God blessed Joseph. First of all, I want you to notice that God protected him. God protected him. If you go back to our chapter 37, look at verse number 36 there. And it says in chapter 37, in verse, excuse me, verse 36, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Now it seems like everything has all fallen apart for Joseph. When we consider all that he faced, there were too many things that just happened in his life. But we understand that they were steps that were ordered of the Lord, amen, and God planned. I think about the intervention of Reuben. If you look back there in verse 21 of chapter 37, when they're getting ready to take his life, the Bible says in verse 21, and Reuben heard it, and delivered him out of their hand, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father. Reuben said, Don't kill him. Put him in this pit. We'll go off and leave him here. Reuben had the idea that he would come back later and get him out and rescue him. Now, we know he didn't come back and get him because the, he was sold into slavery. But God put Reuben there and planned all of that to prevent them from killing him. They were going to take his life. And then look down at verse 26. You have Judah's idea to sell Joseph as a slave. And Judah said in verse 26 unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and he brought and, and his brethren were content. Who put it into Ish, into to Judah's mind the idea to sell him as a slave. How did all that come about? In a few, few, few minutes before that, they were going to kill him. But don't you see the hand of God is protecting him as he's going through this? And then you have the Ishmaelite traders that come along. In verse 28, it says, Then there passed by Midianite merchant men. Wonder who caused them to be there at that specific time. How is it that Joseph and his brothers who are out taking care of the flocks and Joseph goes to check on him and they're at the same place where these Midianite people are going to come by and he's going to be sold into slavery. Wonder who arranged all of that. God was with him. Amen. And then the very fact that he was sold to Potiphar in verse 36 of the chapter it says, and the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. How did it work out that he got sold to this man who was a, of might and of power? Potiphar, the word Potiphar, the very position, he's called the captain of the guard. It's a position that he was the chief executioner for Pharaoh. He was like the head of Pharaoh's secret service. He was responsible for protecting his boss and, and for dealing with those who tried to attack the Pharaoh. Potiphar, by virtue of his position, 
would be in contact with many of the dignitaries and political officials of Egypt of that day, and it's not outside the realm of possibility that Joseph, as he's in Potiphar's house, would have met many of these dignitaries that years, several years later, they, those dignitaries, would actually be bowing down and serving Potiphar, or serving Joseph. Who arranged all of that? And God was with him. It's amazing how God works in our lives, and sometimes we forget that he's a part of our life. Joseph might have been a slave, but he was safe in the arms of divine providence. He might have been separated from his earthly father, but his heavenly father went with him and before him and planned each step of the way for him. And so we find that Joseph was in the hand of divine providence. Also, the people involved were in the hand of divine providence. Joseph's in the hand of divine providence, but so are the people that are involved in this whole process. Joseph's brothers, they're in the hand of divine providence. The Ishmaelite traders, it was God's divine plan that brought them there. And, and Potiphar himself, all of these were serving their own selfish desires and interests. His brothers, they wanted to get rid of Joseph and get rid of his dreams. The Ishmaelites, they were looking for a prophet. They bought him. They sold him. Potiphar was looking for a good deal on a slave. And what they could not see that was all that they were doing to accomplish their selfish motives, they were accomplishing the purposes of a sovereign God. Isn't it a comfort to know that sometimes God can even use lost people to accomplish his purpose? Isn't it a blessing to know that all the events of our lives are a part of God's plan? And God was involved each step of the way in Joseph's life. So he, Joseph, was in the hand of divine providence. These people that are involved, they're in the hand of divine providence, but also the events of Joseph's life were a part of divine providence. All the events that are going through, while these events to us sometimes look like they were out of control, they were actually being controlled by God himself. You see, Joseph was being protected by the Lord. How did God protect him? Let me show you a couple of ways. God protected him, first of all, by his presence. In chapter 39 and verse 2, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. God's presence was with him. And then God protect, protected him from a bitter spirit. All through the struggles and the trials and difficulties, there's not one word that you see about Joseph ever being angry about his difficulties. You see, he surrendered even his hardships to the Lord and submitted to him. And then he's also protected by God's providence, the providence of Almighty God. You see, the dreams that God gave to him back there in chapter 37, he talks about them. Those dreams were not crazy ideas. They weren't off track. They weren't something that he thought up. They were given by God and they would be fulfilled in God's time and in God's way. And I believe that God used those dreams to sustain Joseph while he went through those days of slavery and while he went through those days of trial. And I want to say to you and to me tonight that the same protection that Joseph enjoyed, we enjoy in our lives today. The same God that was with Joseph and the same God who plotted the steps and planned the steps of his life is involved in your life and my life. And he protects us. We 
have his presence. Hebrews 13, 5 says, For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Matthew 28 and verse 20, he said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We have his presence. He's always with us. And then we have his help to deal with our past, to deal with our problems, to deal with our pain, but to deal with it in God's way. Look with me, if you will, for a moment. Keep your finger there in Genesis. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. You're familiar with these verses that God gives to us. He says in verse 29 of chapter 4, Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now put this in the setting of Joseph. God is saying to Joseph and he's saying to you and me, as we go through the trials of life, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't complain, don't grumble, don't whine. Verse number 30, he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. If you're saved, we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed to see that we're safely uh, secure and that we're delivered to heaven. We're, our, our best days are yet ahead of us, amen? The best is yet to come for the child of God. So, so don't, don't be upset and don't complain and grumble and gripe. Verse 31, what do we do? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. As you and I go through the trials and difficulties of life, God says, put away all bitterness. Don't allow bitterness to be a part of you. Wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Boy, we can speak evil about a lot of people if we aren't careful and we're going through our trials. Let them be put away from you with all malice. And be ye... What's the next word? Kind. It's never right to be unkind to anybody. Amen? Be ye kind, the Lord said, one to another, tenderhearted. And here's the hard part. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We have the same God Joseph had that will help us to be kind, to be tenderhearted, to be forgiving to not become bitter and angry and filled with wrath and malice. We have God's presence and his help to deal with all of the problems that we face in our life. And then we also have God's promise that all things do work together for good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. How could Joseph say all these things are happening for my good because they were a part of God's purpose? God had a plan and a purpose for Joseph to one day be second to Pharaoh and provide food for all of his people. And God has a purpose for your life and my life. And as he takes us through the trials of our life, he is doing good things for his purpose. We don't always see the end. Joseph didn't know at this point what God was going to do, did he? But he was trusting his God. God had a plan and God had a purpose. A lot of what happens in life doesn't sometimes make good sense to us. But it does not change the fact that God is in control of everything that happens to me. Amen? In Ephesians 1 verse 11 he says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. 
Isaiah 46 verse 10 says, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God says, I'm going to do my pleasure. So we might as well yield to it and submit to it and let him work in our lives because he's going to fulfill his pleasure and his plan. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 says, For our light affliction... Some of you may stop and say, preacher, you don't understand. Mine is not light affliction. But listen to the rest of the verse. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When we think of what God has prepared for us, whatever we go through down here is going to just be light affliction for all that God blesses us with for all of eternity. And when you compare with what what we go through to what Jesus went through, it is light affliction, isn't it? None of us have suffered anywhere near what he did. Romans 8 verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What a wonderful truth it is that all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then notice also that obedience to the Lord must always be the response to divine providence. Obedience to the Lord. That must always be our response to divine providence. That obedience may sometimes lead us into the eye of a terrible storm. That proved to be the case in Joseph's life, didn't it? By the way, that that proved to be the case in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Isaiah 53 and verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Father to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You see, God has purposed the trials in our lives, but they are not to harm us. They are to develop us so that we can fulfill his purpose. And we can trust him to protect us. We can trust him to grow us. We can trust him to develop us in the midst of the hardships and the difficulties that we go through. I like Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. This is God. God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Did you know God thinks about you sometimes? We ought to think about him a lot, but don't forget, he thinks about us sometimes. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, God says, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. What Joseph's life is trying to say to us is that our God is in control. It may not always seem that way. It may not always look that way, but we can always know God is in control. So God protected him. Secondly, I want you to notice God prospered him. God prospered him. Go back to chapter 39 with me, if you will, and look at verses 2 and 3. Verse 1 says, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. In verse 2, as we saw already, the Lord was with Joseph. And look at the next part of that verse. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of the master, his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. 
Now, I want you to understand some things about Joseph as he's there going through these trials. God blessed his master because of Joseph. When Joseph arrived in Egypt, he had lost his coat, but he didn't lose his character. He didn't lose his character. You see, the coat Jacob gave Joseph was a symbol of his position in the family. It marked him as an overseer in the family. It marked him as the head of the family. It marked him as the one in charge of all things. It marked him as a man of authority. But Joseph's authority did not come from the coat. His authority came from his heart and from his character. He was a man of integrity and a man of character. He was a godly young man who had walked before his own father in absolute integrity. And when Joseph lost his coat, he did not lose anything that made him a great man. His greatness did not come from the clothes on his body. His greatness came from the character in his heart. He may have worn the humble garments of a slave, but he was still a man of character and integrity. Could I say to us tonight, we ought to have the same testimony? Amen. We ought to be men and women of character and of integrity. We need to be people that have a good testimony. You know, some people are different depending on where you meet them, where you see them. You meet them at church and they're one person. You meet them on the job and they're someone else. I would suggest we need to be the same regardless of where we are. We should strive to do the right thing all of the time. We should determine in our hearts that we're going to have a good attitude and we're going to demonstrate Christ-likeness all of the time. Wherever we are, whether it's at church or at home or at work, we're going to be the same because it's not the clothes that we wear to come to church on Sunday that makes us what we are. It's the character that's in our heart. Secondly, notice when Joseph arrived in Egypt, he chose the right path. He lost his coat, but he didn't lose his character. He also chose the right path. He could have adopted the ways and the customs of the new land. He could have abandoned God. He could have embraced embraced the polytheistic religion of Egypt. But Joseph didn't do that. He stayed the course. He stayed on track. You see, he may have been purchased by Potiphar, but he still belonged to God. And you and I may be in difficult situations, but we still belong to God. We're his, and we're to live for him. And Joseph had already made up his mind how things ought to be and how things would be in his life. And it made no difference to Joseph whether he was back in his father's house or whether he's in a pit or whether he's in the possession of of the slave traders or in the house of his master. Joseph purposed in his heart that he was always going to do the right thing. And that's exactly what he did. He was a man of integrity. Regardless of the situation that he found himself in, he still was a man of character and integrity. Like Joseph, you and I need to establish some boundaries in our life. There needs to be some integrity. We need to make up our minds that there are some things that we are just not going to do. We're not going to drink the alcohol that the world offers us. We're not going to do the drugs. We're not going to use the bad language. We're not going to look at the pornography We're not going to get involved in the premarital sex or adultery or gossip and on and on we can go. 
Because when we determine ahead of time there's some things we are not going to do, then when the situation arises, we don't have to argue or debate it. We've already determined what's right and what we're going to do. We know what we're supposed to do. Notice also when Joseph arrived in Egypt, he became a prosperous man. He became a prosperous man. We read it in verse number 2. The Lord was with him, and he was a prosperous man. Verse 3 tells us the Lord made him, made all that he did to prosper in his hand. You know, some people might look at Joseph's advancement in Potiphar's life and say, well, that was just, he just had some good luck that finally came his way. He was a guy that had some bad breaks in his life and finally things turned around for him and he had, had things break his way a little bit. They started heading the other way. People look at him and they would say, man, he sure is lucky. Huh. He wasn't very lucky when he got sold by his brothers, was he? But I say to you and to me as Christians, there is no such thing as luck. Luck had nothing to do with Joseph's success. Luck is for fairies and gnomes and spirits and other mystical creatures, but not for the children of the living God. The only way luck is a part of our life, I heard a, pe- a person one time say to me, you know what luck is? And he spelled the word L-U-C-K. It's living under Christ's kindness. Now, if that's the kind of luck you want to have, okay, I can live with that. But that's not the kind of luck the world talks about. Joseph prospered because God blessed him. God was with him. He prospered because God saw in Joseph a man that he could trust to do his will. What some would call luck in this person's life may have been nothing more than the manifestation of good, godly character. Maybe God blesses some people more than he does others because they have the right kind of character. Maybe God blesses some people more than others because they have integrity. Maybe some people are blessed more than others because God can trust us to do the right thing. And then when Joseph arrived in Egypt, he still lived a life that was blessed by the Lord. He still lived the right kind of life. He's in Egypt. I'm sure his life was a life that was endless drudgery and service. He's a slave. He's a servant. But he was faithful to the tasks that were given to him. His character caused him to be faithful to God and to be faithful to his human master. And as a result, God blessed his life and God blessed his work. There are two things I don't want you to miss tonight. Number one, just because you're going through problems and trials does not mean that God is not blessing you. Just because you have some difficulties doesn't mean God is not blessing you. You might not see God moving in your life, but you just trust Him because in His time, He will manifest His presence, His glory, and His power. The second thing I don't want you to miss is this. Joseph made the best of a terrible situation. He made the best of a terrible situation. He demonstrated a proper attitude in the midst of his trials, and so should We, amen. The right attitude, the right spirit. The secret to happiness in the hard times is how we respond to what is happening to us. 90% of living a joyful life is simply responding well to your trials. Life is what you make it. 
You may have heard about the two grasshoppers that fell into a bucket of fresh milk. One of them was so upset that he quickly lost all hope and sank and drowned. The other one tried hard to get out, and he kicked and kicked and kicked until eventually he turned the butter into uh, the milk into butter and he walked out. You see, it's all about how you handle life. What do you do with the trials? Either you handle it or it will handle you. The great Baptist preacher John Bunyan was thrown into prison in 17th century England for preaching the gospel without a license. He spent 12 years in prison because he would not promise the court that if they released him, he would not preach again. 12 years. He could have become discouraged about such a long sentence and imprisonment. But John Bunyan was a man of, a man of character and integrity. While he was in jail, kind of reminded me of Brad over here a little bit. You ever been in jail, Brad? Not yet. Okay. He had a stool in jail that had three legs on it. And he took one of the legs off of the stool and made a flute out of it. That's why he reminded me of Brad. And they said that he would use it to play gospel songs in the jail. While he was in jail, as you know, Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress, which is an allegory of the Christian life. It became the second largest selling book in history, only second to the Bible. You see, John Bunyan could have given up. Instead, he used his trial as a place to glorify God. In turn, God blessed him. By the way, the Lord is still looking for men and women of integrity and character. He's still looking for people that he can use in our day-to-day to get honor and glory to his name. In the Ravensbrück death camp operated by the Nazis, the young woman that many of us know and have read of, Corrie ten Boom, was forced to endure some terrible atrocities that you can't even imagine. She was starved. She was beaten. She was threatened. She was forced to live with lice and fleas and rats. She witnessed the death of her own weaker, younger sister. She said she saw thousands of Jews and Jewish sympathizers leave the place through the smokestacks of the crematorium. Surely, she didn't understand why all of this was going on. She didn't understand, along with thousands of others, why they were going through it, why they were forced to endure such hardship and agony. But Corrie ten Boom, inmate number 66730, determined in her heart that while she was there, she would be the best Christian she could be. In barracks number 28, she started a Bible study and helped many others to make it through those difficult years. And eventually she won her freedom and was used of the Lord. She helped many become, who had become embittered by the agony and suffering that they went through to have kindness and to deal with what they had experienced. She was used of the Lord in a mighty way after World War II. She carried the message of Christ around the world and tens of thousands of people learned about the grace of God and how to experience the forgiveness of God in their lives. And she took her impossible situation and used it for the glory of God. What an amazing testimony. 
an example for us. God wants to take what we're going through. He wants us to use it for his glory. And then thirdly, I want you to notice that God promoted him. God promoted him. God protected him. God prospered him. God promoted him. All the time he's going through difficult, terrible things in his life. But God promoted him. First of all, Potiphar saw that the hand of God was on the life of Joseph. You see, the integrity and the character of Joseph was noticed by Potiphar. He knew that there was something special about this Hebrew slave. As he watched Joseph's work and as he saw the results of his work, Potiphar saw that everything Joseph touched turned to gold. And he promoted Joseph. He made him the overseer of his entire house. Joseph was in control of everything that happened in Potiphar's home. Everything in his business interests, it was all under his hand. Potiphar learned that he could trust Joseph with everything. He could trust him to do the right thing. He discovered that Joseph was a man of industry. He was a man of integrity. He was a worker who did the best job that he could for his master. You see, Joseph served Potiphar like he was serving the Lord. There's a lesson for every one of us here tonight, and that is that we all answer to someone. Joseph had to answer to Potiphar. We answer to somebody. You answer to somebody. And one day we'll all answer to the Lord. Amen? And so we serve those that we answer to as though we're serving the Lord. Whoever that person or that group of people that we answer to and we serve, we're to give them our best all the time. That means we give them eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. That means we do what we're told without complaining and without an attitude. And it may not be a job that we're paid for. It may be chores at home, young people, that our parents have assigned to us. Amen? Without an attitude, doing the right thing, doing the best that we can. We serve them as though we are serving the Lord. And then I want you to notice that like cream, Joseph continues to rise to the top. He kept on going up. Regardless of the situation that he found himself in, as he walked through life with integrity, he's seeking to glorify God with his life and point others to his God. Even Potiphar, the pagan Egyptian, saw something different in the life of Joseph. Joseph didn't have to blow his trumpet and tell Potiphar what a great believer he was. The life that he lived proclaimed the glory of God. I've told you before about having the privilege. When I was a, when I was a junior in high school, I worked 20 hours a week in a, in a frozen meat store, a place called Murray Steaks in Wheaton, Maryland. My boss was a Jewish man by the name of Harry Golds, or uh, Charlie Cohen. And I would give Charlie, many times he and I were the only ones there working, and I would give him gospel tracts, and he would read them. He got to the place, I gave him so many tracts that when I would walk in the door at work, he'd just reach over and take the tract out of my pocket and go back and sit down and read it. I don't know, as far as I know, Charlie never got saved. But I believe Charlie saw something different in my life. And God wants you and me to live in such a way that you don't have to proclaim it. You don't have to blow a trumpet. People just watch your work. We had next door to us a, a trophy shop. Now, I didn't know it then when I was working. I was, I was, what, 17 years old? 
And at nighttime, Charlie would go over the, we weren't busy, he'd go next door and talk to the guys in the trophy shop, have a cup of coffee with them, whatever. I was mopping the floors. I had to break down boxes and all that kind of stuff. And, and I would just sing while I was working. And I didn't know it, but they could hear me over there in the, in the other store. They could hear me singing over there. And you know what? It made an impact on their lives. It was a testimony. There's a great difference in people hearing you sing than hearing you grumble and complain. Amen. Joseph was a man who had the testimony that Potiphar watched his life. And his life opened the door for Joseph to share his faith with Potiphar. He saw something different in his life. And the same thing ought to be true of every one of us. As those that we work for see our life and watch our work, it ought to give us the opportunity. They ought to want to know what's different about us. They want to, want to know why the favor of God is upon us. Do we have that kind of character and integrity? You remember what Matthew says in chapter 5 and verse 16. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may what? See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And then notice also Joseph lived a godly life. He lived a godly life. He glorified God and promoted, God promoted him as a result of that. And God used him in a powerful way. And the Lord will do the same thing in your life and in my life. You see, if he can trust us with the tasks that he assigns to us, he will entrust us with greater things down the road. He says that in Luke 16 and verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. When we bloom where we are planted, and when we serve the Lord with integrity and industry, He will open avenues of service for us. He will use us if we will get to the place of usability. In conclusion, let me say this. God used the sorrows in Joseph's life to shape him into the man that God desired him to be. The trials that Joseph faced and the trials that you and I face are never easy. They do, however, teach us to depend on our God. Our trials help us to maintain a tender and a compassionate heart. Our trials teach us the value of tears. Our trials make us useful to the Lord. And I believe we should never shun the trials. We should never try to avoid them. Because in shunning the trials, we're also shunning the best of the blessings that God has for our life. A.W. Tozer once said, It is doubtful that God ever used anyone greatly without first hurting him deeply. Some poet, I do not know who, wrote these words, and I think they fit here well. He said, I walked a mile with pleasure, and she chattered all the way but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and ne'er a word said she, but all the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. You see, we want to be used of God, but we don't want the heartaches and the pain and the suffering that goes with it. And I'm afraid that we cannot have one without the other. 
They seem to go hand in hand. And here we find a final word of encouragement. No matter how hard things may come in your life and in my life, if we're saved, the same thing that is said about Joseph can be said about you and me. It's true about us tonight, and that is, and the Lord was with him. And God is with you. And God is with me. We do not face our trials alone. We do not walk through our valleys alone. Every step that you and I take are in the path of the divine providence of Almighty God. And God is in the business of protecting us and prospering us and promoting us for His glory. And so tonight as we close, my questions for you are, first of all, do you know that God? Do you know Him? If you're not saved and don't know Him, He's not with you. Are you right with Him? If you're saved, is your attitude right? Is your spirit right? Is your heart right? Are we doing the things that we know are right? Are we saved? Are we baptized? Are we members of the church? Are we faithful Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night? Are we tithing? Are we praying? Are we witnessing? Are we doing what we know is right? You see, Joseph did what was right. We might not have to do all the things that he did, but there are things that we know are right for our life. And we have to make the, some decisions no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances, I'm going to do right. And I'm going to remember that God is with me. He's protecting me. He's prospering me. He'll promote me. One of these days, we're all going to get a promotion, aren't we? We're going to get promoted to heaven. And as the songwriter wrote, what a day that will be. Amen. Don't lose sight as we go through the difficult times that the Lord is with you. And that He has a plan and a purpose. And our purpose and our plan is to yield to Him and let Him work. Let Him mature. Let Him develop. Let Him make us into what will fulfill His purpose for our life. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank you for the life of Joseph. The end was pretty great and pretty wonderful. The journey was pretty tough. It took him as a young man, as foolish and inexperienced and undeveloped as he was, you used the trials in his life to mold him and develop him and mature him to become a man that could be second to the Pharaoh could be greatly used of God to influence his nation and the nation of Egypt as well. I don't know that any of us will ever reach that level of influence that he had, but all of us have some level of influence. You have a purpose for every single one of us. And as we go through our daily lives, through the trials, we thank you for the blessings that come along the way as well. But as we go through those dark times and trials and difficulties, None of us have been sold into slavery yet, I don't think. None of us have been in the pit and the prison. But we've had some prisons of our own, and may we remember that you're with us. May we submit to your plan and trust.